Praise the Lord and good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to Morning Glory. We want to talk today about achieving great things by the power of the Holy Spirit, of course. Hallelujah. It is the Holy Spirit who energizes us and empowers us to do the works that God has called us to do. Why don't you grab your Bibles and meet me in Matthew chapter 14, and we will begin in verse 22. Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come now and illuminate the Scriptures. Let us take it and apply it to our lives today. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and we all say, Amen. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So two things are going on. The disciples are being sent on to the next destination, and the multitude is also being sent away. There is a clearing out for a specific purpose. Notice the word in verse 22, which is the first word leading the sentence off, the word immediately. It says, immediately Jesus made. Well, the word immediately in the Greek is very, very strong. And it means to do something with no delays and no detours. It is a very uh, determined focus. He's up to something. And I think you probably already know what it is. So immediately, without any delay, without any distraction, without any detour, it says Jesus made. Now the word made in Greek is also very strong. I think it's interesting how these two words were chosen. Because when it says, immediately Jesus made, the word made in the Greek is a word picture that represents a man holding up his hand with an emblem or a sign that speaks of authority and force. Okay, so there's a lot of power going on in this episode of Jesus' life. Immediately Jesus made. You could say it like this if we want to paraphrase it loosely. He immediately, without delay, without distraction, and without any detour, with a determined force, caused everyone to leave him alone. Why? So he could go and pray. I, I'm praying that Jesus' method of operation, of being very serious about his prayer life, will be also your mode of operation. Wow. Praise the Lord. Now, verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, okay, so now everybody's gone. The disciples are gone. They're off in the boat, crossing to the other side. Now the multitude has left. It says he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. You need alone time. You need time to pray and refresh and spend time with the Lord or you will not be able to accomplish great things. It is pivotal and essential that your prayer life be an ongoing, vibrant experience with the Lord. Praise God today. This is amazing. This is an enriching insight into a day in the life of Jesus. And you would think, after having just fed 5,000 men miraculously by the power of God, 
with five loaves and two fish being multiplied to feed a potential crowd of men, women, and children that very well easily could have been over 15,000 people because the Jewish families were quite large in that day. So 15,000, no stretch of the imagination at all. Could have very well have been a crowd larger than that. But they were counting the men to get an accurate number. So, my friends, this is a mighty miracle. Now, you would think that somebody would say, Now, Jesus, we've got to get on to the next city immediately. You have tremendous momentum in your ministry now. This is the time for you to really just get busy, busy, busy. Book every meeting. Take every engagement. And just, uh, just go for it while the getting's good. But Jesus knew that true moving of the Spirit cannot be sustained without retreating to pray. Woo! Hallelujah. By the way, your flesh, the sin nature of the flesh, does not want to pray. So you need to just be determined. I'm going to pray. I am never going to allow myself to get so entangled with work, even Christian work, even ministry, even good things, that I begin to neglect the very source of of power, that I, I begin to let the engine just idle and eventually turn off, which empowers everything else. The engine of prayer. Hallelujah. You must be determined, like the Lord, with an immediate, without detour or distraction focus. Jesus made, and this also implies that word picture of determined force. You're going to have to make room for your prayer life. Hallelujah. If you don't, Everything else will begin to eventually slow down and taper off. This is how you sustain a revival. Not only how you start one, but how you sustain a revival in your life. Praise God. You must make those times of retreat for prayer. You get a big bonus at work. You get a big raise at work. You get uh, a new contract that comes through. Everything is going great. Good. Pull back and go take time to pray and spend time with the Lord. If you have a, have a meeting and a lot of people get saved and healed and people are blessed, after the meeting, go back, take time to refresh and spend time with the Lord. I kind of look at it as like a debriefing meeting. After a wonderful moments in the glory, after very powerful meetings, I like to go back alone with the Lord and just get quiet with God and pray and talk about all the wonderful things that happen. It's kind of like a debriefing, kind of go over everything and just, you know, cover it. It just feels really good in your spirit and get refreshed, get recharged. Praise God. My friends, you have to keep that oil of the spirit flowing. And Jesus was very, very determined and focused to do this. May his determination be your determination that your prayer life your spiritual devotional time with God never ever be interrupted even for good things. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise God today. We are talking about accomplishing great things. You will never accomplish great things for God without being plugged into a rich devotional life, much of it which is centered around your prayer time with the Lord. Praise God. I hear you saying amen out there. Hallelujah. Let's continue on as we discuss today accomplishing great things. Verse 24, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Well, as we just read, the twelve are in the boat. 
crossing to the other side, moving their way across the Sea of Galilee at nighttime. How about that? Out there rowing in the dark. Could be nice if everything's going good when it's beautiful and calm. I've been on the Sea of Galilee when it's has been just literally almost like smooth as glass. I mean, not even a ripple. The boat just going across, almost like gliding over the water. You can see your reflection, it's so still. But I've been at the Sea of Galilee also at times when there have been mild storms. When I've driven around the Sea of Galilee, and I think, wow, I would not want to be out on that lake today. That does not look like a comfortable place to be. That would be a choppy ride on the boat, praise the Lord. See, you have to understand that although the Sea of Galilee relatively in size is small, being only 13 miles long and 7 miles wide, you can easily see across it from any vantage point. But the fact of the matter is, there are canyons on each side of the Sea of Galilee, and it creates a wind funnel. And when that wind comes through there, it can create some quite interesting waves out on the Sea of Galilee. And particularly when there are storms and strong winds coming from the northern area of Israel that sweep into there from the Golan Heights, oh my goodness, you can have some serious uh, waves on the Sea of Galilee. They have actually been recorded up to 10 feet before. In 1992, there was a storm, and the waves crashing on the shore were 10 feet high. Wow, now, this, is not the, this is not the ocean, this is just a small lake, but it's right in that wind tunnel area, and that wind is tremendous, and that is what produces the waves. So, they're in that boat, they're in the middle of the sea, which is a difficult spot, really, when you're in the middle, the closest place to land would actually be straight down, and that's not where you want to go. So, they're, they're in a place where they can't turn back. And really, they've, they've still got all the way to go in the middle towards the other side. It said, they're tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Verse 25, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. In the fourth watch of the night would be the time, please make special note of this in your mental memory bank. The fourth watch of the night began at three o'clock in the morning and it went all the way till sunrise. So you have about a three-hour period of time that would be the darkest time of the night, but in many ways can also be one of the most exciting times of the night. We're going to continue on with this message, but I want to just leave you with the question, and I want you to meditate on this question throughout the day. I want you to look into the life of Jesus and I want you to think about this question. He finishes the meeting of the feeding of the 5,000. He sends the disciples away. He sends the multitude away. He goes up on the mountain and he prays. Time goes by. Now it's somewhere a little after 3 o'clock in the morning. The Lord comes now walking on the water. Here's the question I want you to meditate on and think about. When did Jesus sleep. Oh, Pastor Stephen, you, you have to understand, Pastor Stephen, that I have to have 10 hours of sleep every night. If I don't get my 10 hours, I'm a real grouch. I'm grumpy, and you don't want to run into me. I have a question that I would like for you to meditate on today. When did Jesus 
sleep. Now, we know that he is in a human body. He is subject to humanity. He got hungry. He would get tired. But you also have to understand, you have a lot more in your tank than what you think you do. You know, I hear people say when they get hungry, uh, you, you know, they, they, had, they had breakfast and they had lunch and it's getting close to dinner and they say, I'm starving. No, you're not starving. And the fact of the matter is, is that almost everybody, if they had to, could go 40 days without food. Not that you would want to, not that you're being asked to, but the truth is, if you need it to, most likely most normal people could. Would that be fun? Not really. <laughs> that would be a very long fast, praise God. But you, you, can, you can stretch yourself a lot further. Pastor Stephen, I just need my sleep. Well, some people say that, but if they need so much sleep, why do they stay up so late at night watching TV? What if you were to pray instead? Just convert that uh, time that would, be, would normally be sown into emptiness or vanity, such as just wasting hours of television, unless it's, you know, Christian television where you're learning the Word, you're being built up in the Spirit and things like that. But if you're just watching baloney all the time, what if you just changed that and you began to pray instead? And you prayed late into the night, and maybe you stopped praying at 12 or 1, and then you get up at 5 or 6. I'm just saying, when did he go to sleep? I can't find that he did. My friends, I believe that Jesus pulled many an all-nighter. Hallelujah. Yes, he needed to get some sleep. And at times, you would find him even sleeping in the back of the boat, asleep on the pillow, even when waves were breaking over the, the boat. My prayer for you is that you be able to sleep so well, so soundly, so deeply, that because you're pushing in deeply to a life of prayer, that when you do need sleep, you can just fall asleep at a moment's notice. Praise God. And when it's time to get back in the prayer, squeeze an hour in before work, perhaps even longer by the grace of God, you just wake up again early and you're ready to go. That is the kind of walk that the Lord Jesus had. And you can contend for it. And it can become yours as well. Praise God. But you have to know that it's possible. And it is by God's goodness. Hallelujah. So, they're being tossed all over in this little bitty boat. Verse 25, again, right around 3 o'clock in the morning. Maybe it was 4 o'clock. Somewhere in that time frame. Jesus went to them walking on the sea. He has just come out of this tremendous time in prayer, up on the mountain alone. Hallelujah. And he's now walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Now, I know, looking back at this, just reading this story, you know, in a nice, comfortable setting now, we can look at that, and we can think, you know, that, that's a little bit funny uh, for them to get that fearful. These are full-grown men. But look, when's the last time you were out on the water in the middle of a storm with rain and thunder and lightning and gigantic waves, and you're thinking that the boat's going to capsize or flip over at any moment, and you saw a man walking on the water towards you? Woo! It reminds me of the saying of an old countryman. He said, I don't believe in ghosts until I saw one. Woo! See, my friends, they, they thought, ah, you know, we're not superstitious or anything like that. But what do you do when you see something that's out of your paradigm? 
that's out of your life experience. You see a man walking on the water in the night. I'm sure the moon was clouded, but there would be times the moon would peek out behind those clouds and give a little bit of light, and they saw this man walking on the sea. Now, verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, now, we're going to find out what the Lord said. I, I, I have a feeling that some of you are a little bit of a, um, maybe you like to joke around a little bit. I, I think there are some believers that if they were walking on the water that night, and they saw the disciples' reaction, and they saw all the screaming and the pandemonium, they would probably get a little closer to the boat, and they would shout, Boo! <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Some people just love to see a reaction, regardless of what that reaction might be. But that's not what the Lord did. He said, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. The Lord will always dispel and remove fear. How do you know when it's the Spirit of the Lord? Because it brings peace. It brings comfort. And it dispels the atmosphere of fear. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. He's on the scene. Oh, he's been having a good time up on that mountain in prayer and, and that time in prayer, praying all night. Hallelujah. Going out, having a walk on the water. Mm, that's why you need to be up in prayer to experience the supernatural glory of God that is available to you. I'm trying to light your candle so that you will be up seeking the Lord during that holy, sacred hour within that time frame. So, we have verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I think that sometimes people look down on Peter a little bit, and they said, Peter, you had no right to make a statement like that to the Lord. And he said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. But you have to realize, my friends, Jesus did not rebuke Peter. He didn't say, now how dare you ask me a question like that? You're attempting to do something great. How dare you do that? You're probably just thinking of your own selfish desires. <laughs> no. <laughs> he didn't do that. Look, I like Peter. I admire his bold faith. I believe like Peter... An apostle of faith, I believe that we need to expect great things of God. But look, it's more than just expecting great things of God. I believe that we need to attempt great things for God. Hallelujah. Now say this today. Say, I expect great things of God. Praise God. Now say this. Say, I will attempt great things for God. God, hallelujah. You got to love Peter. You got to like this man that was willing to get out of the boat. If you're wanting to do great things for the Lord, great accomplishments, you, my friends, are going to have to get out of the boat. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's continue on. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He did it. Some people, they say Peter failed. Peter sunk. Well, my Bible tells me that he walked on the water. Now, I, I know that he had a, a lapse and the, a collapse, and he did eventually sink. 
But right here, my friends, he is walking the miraculous walk. Look at it again. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water. Say that. Say, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. See him doing it. Hallelujah. Look, this is the accomplishment of something amazing. This is the accomplishment of something that was talked about and is still talked about today. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He did it. Now, he, he did not sustain that walk, but he did accomplish three amazing things. Number one, he got out of the boat. The other 11 did not. I'm praying and prophesying into your life that that same bold faith of the Apostle Peter touch you today, and you say, you know what? I'm going to get out of the boat, praise God. I'm going to get out of the boat. So number one, he got out of the boat. Number two, he did walk on the water. Oh, yes, he did. Hallelujah. And number three, he did these two things in the most unusual situation. He actually did it in the middle of a storm. Wow. Praise God. I, I tell you, I admire Peter. I admire Peter. There are some people, they wouldn't get out of the boat if there were no storm. And even if the sun were shining, and even if Jesus and 12 angels were waiting on the water and even had life preservers to throw out just in case there was a, a little bit of a problem, they'd still say, oh, oh, no, Lord, that, that water can't hold me up, mm -hmm, ooh, all that stuff. But I love it that Peter got out of the boat, he did walk on the water, and he did all of this in the midst of of a tremendous storm. Wow. Wow. Hallelujah. My friends, God wants you to accomplish great things, and you're going to do it by getting out of the boat and having a very, very powerful, strong prayer and devotional life, just like the Master, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. So, we see here that Peter asked a tremendous thing of God. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Some of you need to ask the Lord some things. Hallelujah. And ask strongly and ask clearly and don't hold back. Let's continue on. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Now, I want you to notice that it says he saw the wind. He saw the effects of the wind with these giant waves. You need to know that you contact this physical world that you live in with your physical flesh and blood body. The devil, when he tries to work against you and steal your blessing and cheat you out of what rightfully belongs to you, he endeavors to do it by operating through the physical realm and touching you, working with you through your sensory realm. Your sensory realm. What is the sensory realm? It's what you can see, hear, taste, touch, and smell, particularly what you can touch or what you can see. There are some people that say, I will not believe it unless I first can see it. But that's fine with the enemy. 
He loves working with people that are in the sensory realm that only operate by what they feel or what they can see because it's with your, it's with your physical senses that you contact the physical world, and he works through the physical world. Oh, my goodness. So it, it says here, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. He got his mind off of Jesus. He got his mind off of the Word. What was the Word? The Word was come, and he began to get his mind onto the circumstances. Why did he get his mind on the circumstances? Because of what he saw. See, for many people, they get their mind off of God's promise of healing. Why? Because of the circumstance. What is the circumstance? They, they, they don't feel well. They don't feel healed. Well, I, I asked God to heal me, and by faith I believed that healing is in the atonement, and I appropriated my faith, and I took hold of my healing. But if I did, why do I still feel sick? Because you're walking by feeling instead of walking by faith. You need to always walk by faith over even what you can see, over even what you can touch, over even what you can feel, taste, or smell. You must always put faith in Jesus faith in what God said first over anything in the circumstantial sensory realm. If you don't do that, the enemy can defeat you every single time. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah today. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out. <laughs> he cried out, watch this, saying, Lord, save me. Perhaps the shortest prayer in the Bible. Just three words. Lord, save me. I think that's where some Christians, they miss it. They don't get to the point. They pray all over the place. Now, Lord, I have a petition to ask of you. But, Lord, there's hungry children in China with no food on their plate. Lord, bless the hungry children in China. Lord, I also want to pray for all the missionaries in the world, oh God, that you make a way for them. And Lord, I want to pray for Aunt Merle. She gave a prayer request. She said that she felt some kind of a quiver down in her liver, and so she's not feeling good, and she wants me to pray for her as well. So Lord, I'm praying for all these things. No, 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 you don't have time for that. Peter is beginning to sink. Hallelujah. Lord, save me. Get to the point. Tell God what it is that you want. Don't beat around the bush. Go for the prayer. Hallelujah. Get right to the point. Lord, save me. <laughs> and Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? I'm standing right in front of you. I told you to come, which meant that you could do it. You're authorized. You're legalized to do it because I gave you my word. Why did you doubt? When they had got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. My friends, this story hinges on verse 29. Now, we, we can't skip over. Oh, we're going to talk about verse 29. But we can't skip over how we came into this story. How the writer Matthew introduced us into this story. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples. Immediately, and made that determination. 
that focus. I am going to go pray, and nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to clear everybody out, and I'm going up on that mountain to pray. Now, Jesus is walking in this life, lifestyle of supernatural on an ongoing basis. Peter's merging into it. But this is how you sustain it. Strong prayer life and verse 29. So he said, come. Here, here's a key. When Peter got out of the boat and stepped on the water, what held Peter up? Let's, let's get technical for a moment because I, I believe with the Word of God, you can work it. It's mechanical. It, it, has, it has a working format. You can study it. You can dissect it. What actually technically held Peter up? Well, Pastor Stephen, it was the water. He was standing on the water. But unless you're a boat, you, the water will not hold you up. It's not proper displacement. You're going to sink. What held Peter up? I know he's standing on the water, and it appears that the water is holding him up. But what really held him up? Because if you and I go out just, you know, after this message and stand on the water, we're going to sink. What held him up? The word, come. Jesus said, come. And it was the word that sustained him and held him up. Woo! Lord, I'd like to come out there with you. Is it okay? Come! Now, when you get the green light from Jesus, the thumbs up, the word of the Lord, you can go. But if you don't do that, get ready to go swimming. Woo! You must have the word for the assurity, particularly in something that could involve the risk of your life, such as getting out of the boat in the middle of a very severe storm with no life, no, no life preserver. <laughs> you really, really need to receive the word of the Lord. Lord, I want to start a business. Will you bless it? See, spend time. Wait on the Lord. Lord, I want to go in the ministry. Is it time? Wait on the Lord. If he says come, that means he is responsible for holding you up and supporting you. If you go and he did not say come, you are responsible to try to figure out how you're going to stay on top of that water and not drown. By the way, that's not fun. Only go when there is the clear leading of the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you or you have a dramatic word from the Lord and the Lord literally says, come. You got that? It's worth more than gold. It will never fail. You can stand on it as long as you believe it. And don't let circumstances fake you out. And I'm not saying the circumstances aren't real. They are very real. But the Word overrides your circumstances. Mm. Keep your eyes on the Lord. What does it mean to keep your eyes on the Lord? Not just visibly seeing Him. Because maybe a wave and the, uh, the spray of the, uh, of the water could cloud out the Lord's physical appearance a little bit. But keep your eye on the Word. He is the Word, by the way, the eternal Word of God. But what He said, He said, come, and I'm going that way if I've got to walk over a 10-foot wave. I'm going that way, and I ain't going under. Woo! Hallelujah. Mm -mm -mm. Hallelujah. See, is that Word. What is that Word come in this situation? How would we describe it? It's nothing less than a supernatural word of wisdom. I actually believe it's the shortest word of wisdom in the entire Bible. One word. Remember, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's the gifts of the Spirit, the word of wisdom. It's not words of wisdom. What it, but that doesn't mean it can't be a sentence or a short paragraph, but it means it's very short, very dense, 
compact, and to the point. Literally, it can just be one single word, come, or go, or yes, or no, whatever it might be. But this is a word of wisdom. Why? It speaks to future tense. In other words, yes, step into your future, step out, step into this. Word of knowledge will always deal with past tense or present tense. So, he said, come, step into this that waits just before you, three steps, and you're here. Okay, future tense, step into it. By the way, the word of wisdom is timely. You must go when the Lord says go. Well, I, I, I want to go the next day when the weather's nicer. No, the word of wisdom has an, it has an expiration point on it. You must go through that open door. And if you don't, it's not like we can just go back and recreate all of this the next day. Okay, let's go back out to the middle of the lake. Let's try to get a storm whipped up. Uh, we need some bigger waves. Okay, let's try this again. Okay, I'm ready to get out. I'm ready to get out of the boat. I'm waiting for the word again. It doesn't work like that. When you do have the great privilege and blessing of receiving a word of wisdom from God, you go then. You respond quickly, quickly, quickly to that word. And it will always support you as you walk out and stand on it in faith. Woo! Hallelujah. By the way, this is how you accomplish great things. Strong prayer life, where you are so determined to maintain your deep devotional walk with God that you let nothing override it or begin to overtake it or begin to try to make it lessened in your life. You stay up all night and pray if you have to. I don't think he ever went to bed on this night. And if you're having a fun time walking on the water, wow. I mean, we can just catch a nap later that day, maybe around 11 o'clock. Praise the Lord. Get a nice falafel. Uh, take a little nap. Wake up. Do some more teaching. Praise God. But my friends, you must have fervent pursuit of the Lord. So number one, strong prayer, strong devotional life. Number two, you're going to have to get out of the boat. When God gives you opportunity, and remember, you can initiate opportunity. Lord, is that you? Ask me to come out there with you. Woo! Lord, I would really like to do this, do that, engage this, try this, step into this. Ask the Lord and be ready. Be ready to move out of that boat into the next level that God is taking you to. Don't you know that while they worship the Lord, don't you know that later on, you know, the next, the next morning when there was a little free time and the disciples are kind of hanging out, don't you know they kind of probably went over there to Peter, uh, you know, John or Andrew or some of these other guys and said, hey, uh, you know, Peter, um, we, we, we know you sunk, but we know that you also did walk on the water Hey, what was that like? Yeah, I have to be honest. I sat back and watched you, and I thought, wow, I would really like to do that. Wow. What is it like? See, my friends, deep walk with God, strong prayer life. Jesus modeled that for us. We see that in the beginning of the story. And number two, get out of the boat according to the leading of the Spirit and the Word of the Lord coming to you. And remembering as well, you can initiate activity with the Lord. That was Peter that stirred this whole thing up. Hey, Lord, I want to come out there. Come. Okay, so it's the Lord working with your desires. By the way, He put those desires in you. They are from God. 
And so you're just looking for opportunity. You're looking for sometimes a new experience, a new encounter. So my friends, you're going to have to be willing to get out of the boat. This is how you accomplish great things. Hold to that word that God gives you, and you will always walk above every circumstance of life, and you'll come out in victory. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people today that they all be transformed into water walkers. They may not literally walk on water, but they will walk above circumstances that others succumb to. They will, I thank you they will overcome every negative circumstance in their life by not, be led by, by not being led by feelings, but rather be led by faith. Faith in what? Faith in your word. Father, strengthen them now with the power of your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's take Holy Communion today. Please grab some unleavened bread and grape juice. Father, we consecrate it. It is now holy. This is now the flesh and blood of our Savior. Father, we thank you that your word is eternally true, that what you say is true, and as long as we believe it, it will never fail in our lives. It will always support us and keep us above all negative circumstances. So we hold to your word. We consume the living word, the flesh of Jesus now. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Let's receive the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives big on the inside of us, leading us, guiding us, inspiring us to step out of the boat, to believe you to do great things in our life, that you might be glorified. Father, we receive the blood of Christ now. We thank you for its cleansing power, its healing power, and we give you eternal praise for it. We drink it now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let us now receive the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Strong devotional life. Get out of the boat. Hold to the word of the Lord, and you will accomplish great things. God bless you. Have a tremendous day. Go walk above your circumstances. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.